Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden Artist Colors makes the best acrylic paints, core watercolors, Williamsburg oil colors, and mediums that you can buy. You can find Golden Artist Colors in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound Division is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum Coffee Roasters has three unique brands, which are unified in simple, earnest, and grounding principles. Fulcrum's own coffee line, Silver Cup, and Urban City. I've teamed up with Fulcrum to collaborate and create artwork for a new coffee tin. I created artwork inspired by some of the origins of where Fulcrum gets their coffee beans and created the artwork for a tin which comes with a single origin coffee from Costa Rica, a 12-ounce bag. Both the coffee and the tin cost $35, and you can get it at their website, which is fulcrumcoffee.com. Robert Russell is a painter who lives and works in Los Angeles, California. He received his MFA from the California Institute of the Arts, Santa Clara, California, and his Bachelor's of Fine Arts from the Rhode Island School of Design. Recent solo exhibitions include a Nat Ebge Gallery in Los Angeles, California, a Theory of Clouds at Osmo Station in Stamford, New York, book paintings at Anak Ebge Gallery in Los Angeles, Tonic Immobility at Barard Arts Foundation in Vancouver, Canada, Big Pond Artworks in Munich, Germany, Men Who Are Named Robert Russell at Osmos in New York, Scattershot at Anna Hellwing Gallery in Los Angeles, Pink at Anna Hellwing Gallery, Robert Russell Recent Work at Lim Gallery in San Francisco, and Skaters in Frumkin Duval Gallery in Santa Monica. His recent group exhibitions include Mystic Truths, curated by Brooke Wise at Newhouse Bradbury in Los Angeles, Good Company Part 1 at Anat Ebke, Perfect Day at Robertson Tilton Gallery, The Art of Politics at the Pasadena Convention Center, The Dorian Project at Second Guest Projects in New York, The Los Angeles Initiative, Rima Hort Mann Foundation at Honor Fraser Gallery in LA, Dilettantes, Dandies, and Divas at Gavlak Projects in Palm Beach, amongst many others. I spoke to Robert just after he opened his current solo show at Miles McHenry Gallery for a talk about growing up in LA, art school in Providence, then Cal Arts, carrying the painting flag, ambient music, reading the Odyssey, and much more. Here's our conversation. I was a little overwhelmed because I had all of two and a half months to prepare for that show from zero to 60 in two and a half months. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I had no works. I had done a show with a knot. Yeah. And then I had done a few more of those pieces for various fairs for Armory and Dallas. And then, uh, and then I went to New York when I met you right. and met with Miles and he said, we, we have the 521 space available you know, in like three and a half months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> said, okay. Time to get to work. Yeah. And he said, you know, we'd love a really ambitious project from you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. 
Well, three and a half months ambitious. That's like a yeah. different kind of. That's not like a two-year ambitious. That's a different. Yeah, kind. that's a very different kind of ambitious. Uh, well, I, you pulled, I, I pulled it, off. it off. The show. I pulled great. it off. Thank you very much. Thank and you. And what did you did? I thought that space worked really well for the work because of the flow of the work. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, it was you know because of the timing and and all of that. You know, it, the space itself was was heavily considered for the for those works. Yeah. Um, that was the fishbowl that I was painting too. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, and I wanted them to, I wanted all the paintings to be received kind of instantaneously like that. You know, you walk into the space or even from the street for that matter. Yeah. Um, and then you're just kind of immersed in, in that space with those pieces. Yeah. That space has some of the best street visibility of any yeah. space around there. Like it's, yeah. it's nice. You really, you see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's like a little diorama. Yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so you you're kind of bucking the trend on the on what I would imagine most people's perceived notion of the time it takes to make work. Right. They're looking at those and thinking, "Oh my gosh, that, that's painstaking because it's so right. you know detailed." Right. But when you see the work in uh, in person, you could see the brush. You you know you see how you're right. doing it. Right. But from a distance or from reproduction. You know, people must be like, oh, my God, you must have spent like three years on those things. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and I'm, so I'm always pushing back against the photorealism, you know, associations, because when you're with them, they don't, you know, you know, nowadays we see so many art shows via photo reproductions and JPEGs. So, right. um, but like you say, when you're when you're in the space, you, you feel the brushworks, you see it. And, you know, they're, they're fairly loosely painted. There's there's moments uh, where I have to kind of hold my hand steady. <laughs> right. But, but for the most part, um, you know, and, and all the work that I make, I allow for a lot of um, irregularities because I, I don't want to be that fussy. I don't want right. to make paintings that are that fussy. It's funny because I feel like if if people would hang, like if we had a two-person show, right, people would be like, what the, f what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why? But there's so many similarities there you know surface mm -hmm. the reproduction belying the actual like hand in it because in right. reproduction you kind of lose it and people think oh right. these are just super slick or whatever right right and um the timing like i work pretty quickly on my work mm -hmm. i even mm -hmm. use an air dryer so you know i oh, don't like <laughs> i don't like to spend because i work in acrylics i don't like to spend you know a year on a painting or something no. i would be so no. painfully bored oh it, <laughs> you know absolutely it'd be, it'd be it'd be brutal yeah, you, you, you know, and not to mention, I always think that, you know, I, you know, I've actually slowed my practice down quite a bit. I used to work much more at a kind of a fever pace because I was trying to catch up to the uh, not to the ideas, but to the to the to the approach to whatever the approach was. And I think it comes from a kind of a self-consciousness about painting itself, because I never really had a technical training or formal, you know, training. So if I would find some sort of rhythm or something I would call like a logic of a painting, I wouldn't want to lose it or forget it. And right. it's almost like waking up from a dream and writing it down. I, I wouldn't want it to go away. So, so the impulse was to try to start and finish a painting in the same sitting. Yeah. Or if, if I did, God forbid, have to return to it, um, that I could return to it in a way that wouldn't, wouldn't sort of affect the logic that I had already put into place. Or if, by some miracle, I could find my way back to that logic. So what I've done is I've kind of built the practice around this tendency 
yeah. which is to say either worked serially with sort of small works, almost modular in the way, say, Chuck Close looks at the grid, looked at the grid, I should say. But, you know, so one off pieces that were done quickly, but then would assemble into a larger whole that were maybe grouped together in some way. But here I found and learned through COVID a way of working where I could slow down. And that was through the meeting and medium and using some cold wax and things like that. Yeah. Um, forced, forced slowing. You yeah, know, what's, exactly. it, what's funny is, uh, yeah, that, that dynamic between, I, I feel it in my studio sometimes where if I'm working on a painting and I'm like a quarter way through or something, you know, when mm-hmm. you start to get it rolling and you're like, okay, there's some structure here. Like you can, right. you're starting to feel like this is going to be the painting. And then right. if I have to go away for a weekend or if I'm not going to be in a studio for a couple of days for some reason, I get, I feel weird. Like I, I, it's like a magnet of, mm-hmm. and, and it's not guilt. It's just like, I need to go work on that. Exactly. And I to know get exactly it to a certain point. And then, and I think part of it is what you're talking about. Like you come in with this game plan. I feel like sometimes you can have a flow when you're working and you feel like mm-hmm. if you take it away for a couple of days, it's going to feel weird or you're, it's going to be visible or there's going to be some sort of like pushback when you get back in there and try to get back into that flow. You know what I mean? It's almost like if you're recording exactly a record, you. some people can do it. They can record a song every couple of months. Mm-hmm. I think I'm more of a guy who goes in a studio and I want to record the recording so you feel it. Sure, exactly. Which, and people looking at our work might not think... <laughs> right. feeling right it doesn't unquote. look it doesn't present that way <laughs> it's not il- illustrating feelings you know but there's <laughs> right. a lot of feelings that it, it's just a, it's funny there's these and part of that um fight i feel i'm i would imagine you would feel this way too is like you know there's a push pull in work that looks a certain way in reproduction or over mm-hmm. the internet and in person and like if you're an installation artist or you're doing something really physical, you know, there's ways you can get around the reproduction of it. But I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, in your work, it fo- it photographs, it reproduces in a way that takes some of that, the lightning of the gesture yes. away from that. You've got to see it in person. You've got to see it. Thank you for screaming that into the microphone because that's what I, you know, I this is now my second show in the midst of the pandemic. So, um so many people have seen the work only in reproduction yeah and yeah and as you say it's it's you know you can you can develop some strategies to put people in the space to to give kind of um, you know scale reference and things like that but but yeah you need to be in there because that you know it not to sound too much like a hippie but they're they're really somatic you know these paintings yeah. are really they're physical right um, and they relate to the body and you know particularly these works they're teacups so they're about the interaction with the body itself it's about drinking so you know the cups have teacups in general have a kind of an outsized scale relationship because we literally put our face into the thing so they right. are massive yeah. <laughs> you know we are diving into these big bowls of tea um and so they're kind of, you know, they're playing with scale they're, they're, and and your physical being in the, in the space with them. Yeah, uh, completely. So, yeah. A utilitarian, you know, object too that you're engaged with. It has right. a certain feeling. Are you ready for an overreach? So I feel like yeah. that microcosm <laughs> of, of the problems of everyone seeing the artwork. Well, and, and obviously most people aren't going to be able to visit the city that you're showing at. You know what I mean? Right. Like when right. we have a show, most people can't get there. So they, right. they're left with the reproduction. What are they going to do? Right. My whole right. college life was that. I didn't right. go start going to see art until I got out of undergraduate school. So mm-hmm. 
there's nothing you could really do, but I feel like there's so many misperceptions or a misunderstanding about the work until you actually see it. And I think exactly. in our culture, the same thing's happening with information to where, you know, people aren't, they're getting divorced from the experience of mm. so many different things, but being bombarded by what it means or the sensation or the, the, the realism of it, mm. that there's a disconnect, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, th I yeah. think... I don't yeah. think that was an overreach at all. I was, I'm right there with you. Thank you. <laughs> I think, well, yeah. we might be of a certain generation. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I don't know if my yeah. son's worried about that right now. <laughs> no, probably not. I mean, I think that is, that is real. You know, it is, it, right. you know, to, not to get too French, but <laughs> that, is, that is the real. It is true. Yeah. But yeah, no, I see that, that you're right. There's a kind of, you know, we, we remember the ideas of, you know, visual information, audio information, for that matter, degeneration, you know, as it as you know, ma making Xerox copies of Xerox copies right. and watching, watching it lose more and more in the process. And I think what you're describing is a little of that there's yeah. as information is sort of filtered through these different networks and different streams. It's not even a game of telephone. It's it's so utterly warped by the time it gets to the the viewer, receiver, reader, whatever. Yeah. Um, in, instead yes. of a, instead of a game of telephone, it's like fifty megaphones at once in the same room. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. With a reverb. It's like what, which one do I listen to here? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, the one of the things about the show too. I mean, I'm I want to talk about it off the jump because. Um, you know, I just saw the show, but the, a really interesting thing is those little moments of the little light hit or mm -hmm. the, like when you see it in person and you're like, oh, that's how he's painting the reflection of the light. It's just that brushstroke. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So those moments are great to see in person. But the irony right. is those painterly jet, those little gestures, those little, um, marks that are d divorced of making something look just like something in a way mm -hmm. are effectively the most realistic things about it when you step away from the painting. Mm. Uh huh. I see so, what like, you're the most yeah. gestural or the, you know, the thing that's like smoothed over the least mm. is the little right. reflection of light that's the most real. Right. I don't know what that means, but it just felt. I know. Kind of it's, it, it does feel more. very, it, it feels very swashbuckly. You know, I forget who wrote this about Sargent, but you know, the famous quote about he's nothing but I, but my God, what an I. I, I don't forget, know. It. I forget who said it, but we can look it up later. In any case, uh, there's the great book about sitting for him by, I'm conflating the committee sitting book with uh, Lord, but in any case, a sitter for Sargent describes his, his process. And, you know, those those big bravado brushstrokes that we come to associate with Sargent were applied at the very end. <laughs> oh, right. Um, yeah. And it's sort of like, you know, he's sort of like tying the bow on the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sort of holding back those, those little, those little marks. Cause it does feel like a little bit of a trick sometimes. Um, Cause like it works icing. every, yeah, it's like icing. It's the cherry on top. It yeah. feels decadent, but, but why the hell not? It's a painting for God's sakes. Yeah, um, it works. It works. <laughs> and it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, but, yeah. And, and I think people, people relate to that in a way, Yeah, you know, it's like, Oh, right. Like, I don't know. It's that, that wow moment. 
It can yeah. get cliche if you build your whole existence upon it. Like, right. if the image is only riding on that, then you're screwed, you know? Yeah, exactly. The genius of Turner, because, you know, he did those glazing days where he'd come in, yeah. like, he'd hang these things, and, like, they were mm-hmm. like, oh, they were okay, and then he would come in with this kit and, like, glaze them, and all of a sudden, right. they'd just be amazing. And, right. uh, you know, but they're good paintings leading up to that. So, right, the, you exactly. know, the icing, the cake can't be crappy. Exactly. And you, great you're icing. Not gonna, you're not going to put lipstick on those pigs you've got right. to, they've got to be good looking pigs to start with right it's got to be a, um, a quality turd you're pol- polishing there <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely so yeah okay so we jumped right into the present with that show but we're gonna mind the past here so okay a west coast californian from the beginning yeah fascinating yeah. I don't know yeah. why that fascinates me just grow does it I, well because you're because you live out in the in the capital city yeah, well, in, I'm from yeah. I'm out in the provinces here, um, and when I grew up, you know, I grew up in the '70s, and I was in deep in the West Valley, which I don't know if you have any relationship with LA or the Valley oh, or anything. I'm bad at it. Actually, okay. Well, the Valley is it it it's a um, it was it was farmland and desert, and then in the '70s and earlier, even a bit earlier, even a series of track housing developments flew up. And it became the urban sprawl that it is now. But when, you know, when I was there in the 70s, my pavement ended in desert. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like so the end of the road. Here was, yeah, it was the end of the road. And here was this idyllic, you know, beautiful new development. I mean, beautiful. That's a relative term, but you get what I'm saying here. It was new. It was new. <laughs> it was new. It ended at desert. I could go dig through rocks. I could ride my BMX over all those hills and you know and it was it was undiscovered yeah it was totally undiscovered i there were tumbleweeds that would roll down my street and roosters crowing in the distance so you know this that that la san fernando valley experience existence doesn't it isn't there anymore but it was a unique time but needless to say there were no museums (laughs) not a lot of art show not a lot of art shows out there yeah it's a give and take (laughs) tumbleweeds museums Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you feel like you you grew up around, you know, like you had you were exposed to both because you were close to the city, but you also had a little bit of a rustic. yeah. But I was a I was a kid, so growing up, you know, I I, you know, I I drew I drew stuff, but it was it never occurred to me that this was something that people were doing. I I did not. I had a very small existence. I knew about riding bikes, <laughs> riding skateboards, and. You know, that was about it. And drawing with like crayons and stuff, right? Like yeah, everyone. like, yeah, yeah. Drawing stuff, exactly. Well, what brought your parents to that area? Were they like lifers too? Or the- no, no, they were, so they're from Chicago. They were high school sweethearts. And they, my father was in, uh, well, his father had a, had a theater, had a movie theater. And my father was an usher in that. And then he got into uh, the film business doing publicity. And then he got a job with a movie studio out in Los Angeles. And so they left Chicago and went out to the promised land. Showbiz. You know, I always feel bad asking like, oh, were your parents in show business? But I mean, it did pull some people there. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was an industry, you know, this was an industry town. And so he was, you know, yeah. And absolutely. So creativity was not foreign to the household in a way. Well, I mean, I, I think they would argue, my folks would say, no, you know, my, my dad was in publicity as a, and my mom, uh, actually drew when she was young 
And her father, my grandfather, who my older son is named after, he made dioramas. I don't know if you're familiar with the Thorn Rooms in Chicago. No, I don't. The per permanent installation in the basement in the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh, nice. Thorn Rooms were these, these little interior replicas that she would commission all these silver silver workers and metalsmiths and woodworkers and whatnot and they would they created these impeccable beautiful little miniature dioramas of uh, of interior spaces and they're they're on view there you can see them anytime anyway my grandfather had worked on some of those that's cool I mean that yeah. that seems like a lineage of some sort it does. of investigation into detail yeah. and you know yeah absolutely. there's a through line <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> and as Chicagoans, so. I'm guessing, and when they were what, they were coming of age during jazz, I mean, we're thinking like early jazz, right? Or you blues my, in Chicago. Yeah, but were they music my, fans? My folks, no, they were not music fans. They were not music fans. <sighs> missed it. They missed the <laughs> I bus. Know. I know, they missed the buzz. <laughs> Chicago in that time, I mean, was, you know, a pipeline from Louisiana. Right. Like all the good music came up the Mississippi. Yeah, they, but they weren't uh, they weren't catching that stuff. Well, so you, but yeah, but you said something about BMXing or skateboarding, so you must have been exposed to some music along the way too. Oh yeah, I was. You know, I was uh, when I was young. I was a little goth kid. I was into all the kind of industrial punk and and. Uh, Are we talking like Nine Inch Nails or before that? No, before that, like all the German stuff, like in Stritzen de Nubot and uh, Nights are Ebb. And Nights are Ebb. Remember. And, <laughs> wow, I haven't thought of him in a while. Yeah, 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 all that, all that stuff. I love that stuff, and of course, Bauhaus and Love and Rockets and Christian Death and all, and all that. That was that was Joy my Division. scene. Yeah, yeah. Joy Division, going to Rocky Horror Picture Show, all that. Yeah, that, that was that a stuff. good fertile time for that kind of stuff. You know, it was, and it was it new. Was. It felt really like the first time yeah. my brother played Knights of Ebb for me. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was like confusing. I was like, all right. Yeah. It sounds yeah. a little, I mean, it was called industrial back then and it made sense, you know, it was right. like pistons and stuff, but it was exactly, it was pretty cool stuff. So you yeah. were deep into that. Yeah. I loved that. I loved Did you that. ever get to yeah. see live music out there? I mean, were you going, not really occasionally when I was young, we would, we would trek out into the city, but, um, I remember there was, there was Palomino, but that wasn't really all that close. I saw fire hose over there. I can't, honestly can't remember so much of what it, what I did, yeah. Saw. <laughs> I can't. I have a hard time with last month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do you have that like that dad brain where it just kind of, I don't know. Oh yeah, it's tough. And then COVID stretched gone. the memory. Got a tweak of COVID. You know, it's like yes. And knock on wood, I didn't get it. But uh, you know, you hear stories about long COVID and fuzziness. I feel like I kind of have that just from the experience of running <laughs> I know. from it. You know, I know. Maybe we all got it in the yeah, ether. Little, Absolutely, like brain trauma from like the completely. Yeah. And the kids here, and just the soup of all the grades. My my younger son's entire middle school experience was here in the house on his laptop. Oh, man, I yeah, it's tough. So, it was tough. Yeah, it's been a weird time. Emerging. Well, on that note, so going back to your youth. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you remember? So when did you, when did drawing for, you know, just something every kid does turn into like an art class or something? Did you have an art mm. teacher or where, well, where did I you get did, exposed? I, well, really, you know, I took some figure drawing when I was around 15 or 16. I remember riding my bike out to a little local figure drawing class where they had new models and it was all retired people in the class, mostly women. And then I'd roll up on my bike with my stuff 
and that was when I first had any kind of training, although I can't rem really remember the training, but it was it was the first time I saw that this was a thing that people did. It still felt like a hobby. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like something that was serious. I knew even in my high school, I mean, it really was a wasteland out there. Even in my high school, they, we, we used to have to take these aptitude tests where you answer a series of questions and they decide what your interest is and what you should do based on it. Right. And so it turns out that my interest was art. And I remember my teacher <laughs> saying that I should really find something to do uh, for a profession. Right. <laughs> so I, I still carry that. But it wasn't until I, um, I was sort of, not doing so good in high school, let's say. Yeah. You weren't focused? <laughs> I wasn't focused. I was kind of getting into a lot of trouble. And so my father decided he was going to pluck me out of Los Angeles and out of the scene and away from all the people I was around. And he sent me to Arizona State University, literally sent me there. He, I think he applied for me. And I had a cousin there. Wait, and for college? Or before yeah, for, for for college for for my first year of college. Oh wow! Because I had no intention really of college. I was I was fine just being out there in the valley and living doing things, and right. breaking things, and you know whatever other whatever other useful activities I was involved with. Right. Um. So I got to Arizona and I met a girl and I had some art classes and I remember in the art classes the one of the professors in particular said, you know that you're good at this. You should you should really think more seriously about this and maybe go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and then my girlfriend at the time said we should apply to RISD. Wow! And I asked the her what side. RISD, the other yeah. side, and she was from the East Coast. She was from New York, and so we both applied to RISD. And I got in and she didn't. No oh boy, and then I, that's and awkward. Then I went, that was awkward. But she went to the Art Institute <laughs> of Boston, and oh, we there had you a go. long, long distance romance for a little while yeah but then i was at risd and then all of a sudden things got serious and yeah I, and well I, that'll risd will do it to you yeah arizona state might not necessarily but that was a that was a hero move by your teacher right to just be like hey you know get out of here because you would imagine <laughs> i mean you know if you're teaching in a program there's going to be programs outside of like the major schools or whatever that probably only see those really talented, like the, as a professor, you see a talented kid once in a while, like once every right. few years or something. And you're like, oh, this one could could do this or might have the agency to like make it happen. And right. to be like that unselfish to say, go somewhere else, you know, that's yeah. kind of like admirable. He was he was great. I can't, I can't remember his name, but I remember he introduced me to Leo Kotke. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Not the person, but the but the music. Yeah. Uh, and so. There was a lot of pot in Arizona at the time. It's mystical, right? Yeah, it was mystical. Yeah. You know, there's Sedona not far away, the mountains, yeah, it's, the, it's the, the energy. It's a yeah. vibe. So it was Leo Kotke, six and 12 strings and drawing. And then, yeah, I just I was feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, got well, out. Yeah, you and, and the, you. that's a, as a Southern Californian, then to Arizona, to go to Providence, that was I mean, wild. That is, that's culture shock. That's like weather shock. Yeah. You it must have uh, shock. had to tweak the uh, the dials there. <laughs> I did. I did have to tweak the dials. I absolutely loved it. I still love it. I mean, when I was just out in New York with all the slush on the ground and it was freezing, I was thrilled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, you like the weather. I love that weather. Well, yeah. as a I goth, love... you know, 
right. Exactly. Impressive. It's not your exactly. native habitat. You need some gray. <laughs> exactly right. I'm, I mean, I'm exactly. from Pittsburgh, and that is like right up the alley. I mean, you know, oh yeah, we had yeah. plenty of goth. There was a right. goth contingent there that was, you know, <laughs> fertile. Skateboarding, exactly. the Cure, the Smiths, and like you know, oh my god, a lot of yeah. gray days. Absolutely, <laughs> it's a bummer, I had, man. It was a bummer. I, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I had Robert Smith on yesterday in the car when we were off to a dinner. Nice. The yeah. irony is I always feel like The Cure and The Smiths were upbeat. Like uh, The Smiths always made me happy. It never bummed yeah, me. Yeah, I know. I mean, the lyrics were oppressively depressing, but I mean, you know, the music is always kind of upbeat. And Morrissey's totally. kind of like, you don't really take him serious. No, you know? Exactly. you know it's a melodrama. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is goth? Like what's really dark? What's the really dark stuff? Probably that like, um, death metal that like... Nordic death but, metal stuff, but even that feels That's so kind of performative. Yeah, it feels. Oh, you know, you know, it's dark. Elliot Smith. That stuff was dark. Oh, that is dark. That was yeah, heavy. That, yeah, that was that was too heavy. He was real. I couldn't. My my best friend and studio neighbor was would listen to him all the time, and I was like, "Man, you got to mm. stop." I mean, it's no, really I, good music, but boy, what it's a downer. So sad. Yeah, it's so sad. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's really goth. Yeah, I wasn't that kind of goth. I was performative goth. Right, right. It was an aesthetic, I, you know. Like, yeah, I like. Yeah, it. there's also anger in there. I like the anger. Yeah, you know, it wasn't really my anger because I was Jewish. It was so much. People were so <laughs> mad at Christianity, so I, I never had that kind of relationship. It was the anger adjacent to? <laughs> yeah, as right. a Jew, like we're we're not, you know, we don't have that kind of thing to be mad at. We're that's not, nice. We don't have this. We don't have this oppressive, you know, model of existence and. I think I, I can maybe confer as an atheist or like growing up without religion, really. I mean, yeah. my parents were Lutheran, quote unquote, but I never right. went to church once. Right. And my dad would like put quotes from the Bible occasionally up on the fridge. But, you know, it was never, you know, like I didn't I didn't feel oppressed by it. I had friends who were Catholic and boy, they were <laughs> trouble. My friend who was an adopted son of a priest and you couldn't find a, a kid who was more trouble and living on the edge. I almost lost my life in the passenger seat of that guy's car. But, okay. you know, it, it seemed like the closer you were to, to God, the closer you were to being <laughs> like a major problem. <laughs> and that's not everyone just saying where I grew up. That, yeah. that happened. Uh, okay, so in Providence, I'm guessing that if you were a troublemaker in L.A., getting into yes. it. <laughs> and then you moved out there. There's right. there's, pro- there's a pretty vibrant scene of characters out there that you could probably find your niche. Oh, yeah. Right? I could find my niche. I could blend right in. I, it was wonderful to go and finally see a whole world of my species. <laughs> in one place, right? <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah. In one place. It was like that moment in, in the Muhammad Ali documentary when they're chanting Ali Bumbaye. It was like, oh... Right. Here's my, here's yeah, my yeah. people. This felt, I guess that <laughs> that with the weather, it must have been a sort of uh, incubator for some pretty good developments in your work. And good faculty, too. It really too. was. It really was great faculty, yeah. So what yeah. Did, what were you, Yeah. let's say this, what were you doing towards the beginning? And then like, how did the work change or where did it come to by the time you're like starting to get ready to graduate? At, at, yeah, at yeah. RISD, we're talking about? At, so... I came in, it's really hard to remember that work. You know, I think like so many young artists, I was just finally being exposed to lots of folks. Like, of course, you know, I should say Gerhard Richter on this oh, is 90th it? I didn't birthday know. today. Uh, yeah. So, you know, seeing all this work for the first time in college. And then I think like so many young artists, I just started emulating all the all the things that 
right. that I was you interested in. run through in. the Rolodex, and right? Like, oh, Bruce Nauman, yeah, I'll do a yeah. Bruce piece. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll do that yeah, now. Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> so I did that. So I sort of... So I sort of made all the works, you know, tried to get over the anxiety yeah. of those influences. And um, and then, I don't know, when I came out of there, I think I was maybe even a bigger mess when I came out of there. And that was probably right. a good you get, thing. You got all jumbled, right? I don't. Yeah, I got jumbled. I, I certainly didn't come out any more mature as an artist or as a person for that matter. But 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 I did come out with a with a with a lot of enthusiasm. And yeah. And those experiences, <laughs> like, you know, in retrospect, when you look at it, they're formative, right? In that sense of like, yeah, for you know, sure. I, I always, when I have students and they're like, oh yeah, I'm making this frustrated with like the quality of the work. I'm like, you have to just get all that stuff out, like exercise the demons, get it all out of there Absolutely. and then start it back in. Absolutely. And if you don't do that and you just start hitting right off the bat, sometimes you can get like, you know, kind of tunnel vision, like you're afraid to make any changes or do anything. No, that's, that's right. And, you know, and the, yeah, you just have to make it, you know, I'm going through that right now too, with the show, you know, with yeah. having just mounted the show and now, now I'm back in an empty studio and it's, it's, you know, that starting over all the time. And I realize, you know, I can't think my way out of this predicament. I need right. to make my way out of it. You know, work, work begets work as I think Richard Definitely, Sarah yeah. said. Um, so you got to just get in there and start pushing the materials around. Yeah. Do you get envious of those people who are like the conceptual minded people who are, will plan it out and be like, okay, now I'm doing this. That must now be I do this. Yeah, nice. exactly. Cause I always have to like make some clunkers. Oh yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of like feeling when, when you have that show and you graduate from that body of work, whatever, I feel like it's like going in your studio with no mm -hmm. lights on for a little, you got to feel around, make some things. Nah, exactly. That's not the direction you got to mm -hmm. feel it work your way through and then some mm -hmm. things start to emerge out of that. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I remember when I was at CalArts for grad school there, you know, a lot of the criticism, if I would even call it criticism or, but the critique was that, you know, I'm so good. You, Robert are so good. You can paint anything you want. And I always, I would always resist that characterization because, you know, I didn't, you know, I joke that Michael Asher wasn't teaching me how to make paintings right. at Kellogg's. Right. You know, I wasn't, you know, Charles Gaines wasn't showing right. me how to mix colors. I, you know, I found it out by necessity if I wanted to find it out at all. And so I didn't, you know, quote unquote, know how to paint. I just, I, I made paintings the way I wanted them to look and figured out how to, how to get there. Right. to the extent that I ever did get there. You know, but. Yeah, no, but you, you learn your way, the yeah. way you do it, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, it's the, the age-old representation thing of like, oh, well, that looks like something, so that's good. You know, because mm -hmm. there's abstract painters who have to find their way in abstraction, which is right. the same exact struggle exactly. and search, exactly. and it's not easy, but everyone's just like, oh, well, that, there's, that's easy. You're just pushing paint around. Right, you're just pushing you know? stuff around. Yeah, they don't have the added bonus of landing on an image. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's like, you know, going to school with no pants on, really. Exactly. <laughs> Is that a good representation think, yeah. of being an abstract? Yeah, artist? I think that's probably right. Yeah. Realist I mean, artists you have nothing to hide behind, you know? It's just, no, it's true. It's just you and your junk. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's why I love abstract work because it's it just, you know, I love as a viewer because mm -hmm. it, it puts all that other stuff aside and it's just fun to see the nuts and bolts basically right it's like no open up a little ham radio and seeing all those wires connecting the things you know and it's right like, 
Yeah. But there's no radio. You're just seeing all the wires. Really. <laughs> it's just the wires. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good stuff. It is. So when did you, you know, after RISD, did you move right away back out west? I moved right away back out west. Yeah. I moved right away back out west. And but then I thought here, you loved it. I did love it. And I thought I was going to stay there. But um, then I managed to get work doing storyboards. So showbiz again, showbiz again. It's the, you know, it's like our family keeps repeating the pattern. So showbiz sucked me back to LA. I started doing storyboards, storyboards, making some money at that for a while, but knew I wanted to go to CalArts. That was, that was sort of always the plan. And then what was the beacon there? Was there someone? Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I think the legacy, but also Tom Lawson was there and, you know, we've since become friends, which is great, but you know, that, that epic last exit art last exit painting yeah you know essay was was as a painter was so was such a beacon um so yeah so my i had my sights set on that place but i just sort of worked and toiled and and messed around and and did some shows here and there and did my storyboards but then got to cal arts in in 05 that must have been intense that was intense yeah like i i have no I don't know that much about CalArts. I just know that it's got to be intense. Yeah, it was intense. It was wonderful. Yeah, it was yeah. rigorous. You know, people use the word rigorous to describe it. It is. It is rigorous. And it was a great experience. And, you know, I, I did get to work with Tom Lawson. But, you know, the, the faculty there that were really influential were Anoka Faruqi was there. She yeah. was my advisor. Um and then the faculty, after your first year in grad programs, select from the from the grad students to TA for them. So Charles Gaines tapped me to, to TA for him, and that was a great experience because you know that was you know he he had taught a really rigorous load of classes, and I had to really get into that material. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a great experience. That was a that was an intense year. That was like putting a show together at Miles McHenry Gallery in in three right. months. Three months. Yeah. <laughs> Same yeah. level. Yeah. Pressure cooker. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds like, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it would be a good sort of counter to RISD in a way. Like, was, I'm sure it yeah. was a, a much different sort of, you know, way of of dealing with the, you know, the information and, and like yeah. the, the faculty and probably a similar intensity, but just a different kind of angle. That, you know, that I've never really... Your, yeah understanding you know i'd never really put it in these terms but uh, you know as we're talking about it i think it's kind of like it's kind of like the mind body you know if if RISD yeah. was much more sort of physical and body and body. material and cal arts was much more of the mind like we were talking about earlier yeah it's it's good when you can balance those things i think yeah exactly because i am a can... mind i'm a mind body artist <laughs> there's our tagline yeah exactly there you go <laughs> a mind, your cv a mind body artist <laughs> mind body artist exactly. exactly no but that harmony i think is important you know For what sure. I mean? yeah. and uh some i mean some programs have a good balance of it in one program i think mm-hmm. you know what i mean where you can get mm-hmm. both of those and then mm-hmm. others are lean one way but i think that balance like i for my grad school experience, it was so intense and it was so grad school ish. Mm-hmm. You were at Yale for grad school. Yeah, but then right. I went to Skowhegan right after. Oh, and uh-huh. it was the perfect yeah. body after right. the mind. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And it was just you're just like hanging out with other artists in in Maine with doing, cows. doing body stuff. Yeah, 
just <laughs> drinking Jameson on the deck and, you know, at a lakeside and like hanging oh. out with everyone and BSing oh. about art all night. You know what I mean? Oh, it was it kind of like so a dreamy. great, yeah. yeah, it was really, uh, I didn't even know it at the time that it was the perfect counter. Sure. I just got in because I was applying since I was like a junior in undergrad and I never mm-hmm. got in. And then I mm-hmm. finally got in after grad school. So, you know, it was just the timing lined up well, I think. But it's good to have that, you know, I think balance in just in all aspects of life is important. For sure. But as an artist, I think, you know, I don't know, we do it in the studio too a lot, don't we? You just find our own personal balance of whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know. Yeah. Family yeah. studio time, light, mm-hmm. dark, day, night, whatever it is. Exactly. Caffeinated, decaffeinated. <laughs> right. Never I'm decaffeinated. It's always, it's yeah, it's always, always caffeinated. caffeinated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just that. disproving my own theory right there. <laughs> yeah. It's never exactly. decaffeinated. With the exception of caffeine that your rule holds. So, so after Cal Arts, I mean, did you, what were you working on? Like, what was your thesis show like? What was the work like? So I was, you know, at Cal Arts, because I was one of really two painters, maybe three painters, really, um, I really wanted to, you know, take the painting flag and, you know, carry it through the battlefield. Um, and so that's what I did. So I made big, extravagant, <laughs> right? I just pictured like, you know, ducking <laughs> for cover, landmines and sniper exactly. shots coming exactly. at you. It's like, what exactly. the hell are you doing in the battlefield? Get out of there. <laughs> Get out of there. You're a painter. Flag with a <laughs> emoji of a palette on there. <laughs> exactly. But well, you made a, it. <laughs> yeah, you made it through. You made it all the way through. No, the painting, the painting. Yeah. So I picked up that bloody, battered, tattered painting flag. And I made big, extravagant, decadent paintings. You know, they were, I made my first year at CalArts, um, I made giant paintings of pigs and pens. Speaking of pigs again, um, made all with a lizard and crimson and white paint with lots of linseed oil. So they were creamy and decadent. And I think somebody described them as like Pepto-Bismol pink. So they were sort of bodily, you know, yeah. ob- obliquely bodily, but, you know, they were also, you know, they were big capital P paintings and they were pink, which is an unserious color. <laughs> you know, they, it was just, right. it was all just about excess and decadence, you know, and also, you know, conflating it with the idea of the excess and decadence of factory farming and all that. So Right. Um, I imagine those going over really well or not. Good. They went over really well, so nice. well, so that because then I showed them at, on a Hellwing gallery out here. And I, for years, was known as, oh, yeah, you're the guy that paints the pigs. And I made, you know, I made eight, seven or eight paintings of pigs, but I was the pig guy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually, if you think about it, as irritating as it would ever be that you're the blank guy. Right. It means that you're doing something good enough that it burned into people's memories. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. So there's something to be said for it. Yeah. Oh, you're the teacup yeah. guy. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, exactly. you're the book guy. Whatever, right. you know. It's like, <laughs> right. if you nail it, the people right. are going to be like, you're that guy. They're going to pick which version of that guy you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so I was the pig guy for a while. So, yeah, so that was, that. The, those were them. Um, and that was really the most significant body of work that I made while I was there. I made some really shitty paintings there. A lot of really shitty paintings um, that thankfully are burned or gone. <laughs> I, I feel the same way about Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to make some clunkers. You know what I mean? You got to yeah. get out of your system. Yeah. I yeah. I made a bunch of clunkers. 
<laughs> we had this. So. We had we had those art sales where other like architecture students or other students would come buy things. I think maybe my second year of school wasn't quite as clunkery, but sometimes yeah. you, you feel like, oh man, a couple of those are hanging in someone's place right now. <laughs> right. Oh God. Yeah. Oh I boy. Know the, I yeah. know the feeling. Yeah. Maybe. Occasion- uh, hopefully, I didn't sign those. <laughs> I know. I know. Occasionally, I get an email from somebody saying, I, I bought this from such and such or wherever, you know, 400,000 years ago. Oh, no. I just, I just wanted to share it with you. That's and the that's, uh, equivalent of our kids with like the YouTube videos of them, like taking a bath when they're like, two years old and exactly <laughs> right. online and someone yeah. finds it and you're like, exactly. what are you doing in my life? You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Same yeah. thing. Old paintings yep. from undergrad coming oh. back to haunt you. <laughs> it's, all, it's the worst. <laughs> well, imagine these days they're posting those things. I Fortunately know. for us. It was in the dark. It was in the it's cover true. of darkness. No one it's could true. see it except for your friends. You know, it's like, it's true. Now you're you're going out there like an abstract painter with no pants on. Just showing it all exactly. way too early. Way exactly. too early. <laughs> oh well, what can you do? Everyone's exactly. used to it, I guess. Everyone's in the same boat. We're allowed. We're allowed to be young. Now the the studio situation so you were out in RISD, you had the studio there, and then you came right. back. Did you have an external one before school or like what was before geography? Yeah. Like what's the geography yeah. in your studio set up? Oh like? yeah. I've had, I've had a number of studios over the years, but in the Cal stop Arts, bragging <laughs> <laughs> and I still do. <laughs> um, no, I had, I, there was a house that I was living in that had a, it was an upstairs and a downstairs and the downstairs was basically a loft. So that, that was my studio for a while. Um, probably, I mean, it's a bias, but probably a lot of space. When you think LA, you think, uh, yeah, you think space. Yeah. 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 I mean, and then I had, then I had a studio, a couple studios in Highland Park. Um, but yeah, I've always, I've always had space that, that hasn't really ever been an issue for me. And then at, at, uh, Cal Cal Arts, we were, we were given spaces. They must have like a big old warehouse or something, right? Like I imagine just huge studios. Yeah, it's it's more. Um, yeah, I'm trying to picture the. Yeah, it was a big partitioned spaces, and then yeah. you would get you would get a section there. But they were actually quite nice. It was a great studio. Nice. It didn't that's flood. Like, that's such an advantage, you know. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. The big space can really. And it sounded like you were making. Is it? Were you making big work then? I was making big work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was making big work. Man, can you, like if you were in New York City, I wonder if you would. You know, unless you had a giant space here, like if you moved afterwards, right, if you I wonder would be what making the work would have been. huge work. Although right. the the work in your current show, it's not like it's, you know, it's not enormous, it's not monumental yeah. or anything. No. You can make no. that happen. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I have always managed to make relatively large works in not enormous spaces. You and me both. I've never had a ginormous studio. You know. Yeah, I haven't had. I still don't. I've never had a ginormous studio. I did once for residency in Long yeah. Island and it was a, a huge studio and I right. worked in a corner. <laughs> right. It's too much. <laughs> it felt weird. It's too much. I didn't know you what made... to do. I was like, there's too much empty space here. I understand. You know what I mean? I yeah, didn't you, like need it. To, you need to make your cozy corner. Yeah, and it was pressure. I felt like I gotta fill these walls. There's a yeah. lot of wall space here. It is empty. I can't have an empty studio, you know? It felt yeah. it kind of I mean look at those look at those photos of Francis Bacon's studio in London. I know, right? I mean he made what all floor? that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, those the the, I you know I think people get comfortable in a space that they're used to making you know because I do have some friends that I know like sculptors who have a big studio space Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel big to them 
you know, and mm-hmm. they need that working space. But right. I've right. never needed nor necessarily wanted, although I do see some people who've moved upstate with Giant Studios and it's, it looks nice. It certainly feels luxurious. Yeah. It would yeah. be nice to be able to have some room around. I mean, it, it, you know, even on this show, because I had all six of the works in the studio at the same time, I was kind of, I did have to sort of create barriers between the works so that I wouldn't splatter paint from one to the next one. Oh, yeah. So it did, it did get tight. Right. Yeah, you, you don't want them literally bleeding all over each other. No, right exactly. Exactly. No, I've done that, though, where you have big ones next to it and you're gessoing and you don't want to, like, yeah. you know, have, like, random spots flying into the other painting. It's happened. Exactly. I've done yeah. it before. Yeah, me too. Yeah, small studio issues, I guess. Yeah. You work with yeah. what you got. So, uh, and when you're working on your work, do you work in silence? Do you have music? Do you have? Oh, I have music. It's it's very often Brian Eno, Rodelius. It's a lot of lyricless uh, music. But yeah, now I'm. It's sort of all ambient all the time. Nice. Yeah, Harold Budd. I just keep coming back to Eno. I know Harold Budd. Who's that? Oh yeah, he he did some projects with Eno also. Oh okay. He died just a few years ago actually, but John Hassel. Um. Yeah, that's sort of my stuff. There's Do you like any of the the more nouveau ambient or not nouveau? I guess at this point, it's all I'm getting old. But you know, <laughs> stuff like the ambient electronic stuff that kind of came out of the Eno lineage. And some of it, you know, some of it gets a little too sort of. I you know, I just like how sparse all that Eno stuff is. I love all those periods of just silence or just kind of droning notes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the newer stuff that I, and, and I'm not all that versed in it, but a lot of the newer stuff that I've heard, it tends to fill a lot of that silence. Yeah, um, that's, that's true. It's it's yeah. real avant garde if you're going to leave a lot of space these days. Yeah, exactly. No, no people aren't going to look. No. Where everyone's uh, I'm not complaining, but everyone's barometer has been adjusted by, the you know, the pace, just how busy things are. Remember, sure. like, did you ever go to an old show in a museum? Back in the day, and there was like a few monitors in the show of something. Right. Like they'd be playing yeah. a video or something. You'd be right. like, wow, it's a lot of like distractions here. <laughs> Nowadays, right. it's like, that seems like antiquated. You know it, what I mean? Completely. Like, you'd yeah. have to have the whole thing, like a, an iPhone next to every single piece showing you a video <laughs> on how it's made. And you'd be like, all right, this feels normal. <laughs> exactly. Enormous <laughs> amount of wall text. Yeah. Right. right. Sound <laughs> yeah. playing throughout, projections, everything, yes. you know? Exactly. And no one would bat an eye now because you're no, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. This feels That's, right. That's how we received information. Yeah. But yeah, like that sparseness, you know, it's it's pretty, there's just something to be said for that, I think. I love it, that quiet, yeah. You know where you find that now probably? Meditation hmm. apps. That's probably yeah. it. I think that's <laughs> yeah. it. It's that's reserved the only for place. that now. Yeah. That's like I the know. Eno of our time is like exactly. you know, Headspace or something. Exactly, and it's situated within the system of, you know, it's on your phone, so it's yet another to-do, right. <laughs> another yeah. thing to add to your to-do list. Yeah, but the or it tells cracked. It, yeah, exactly. like my watch tells <laughs> right, me that. Right, it's time exactly. to be mindful right now. I get that all the time on my yeah. watch. It's like you should be mindful and take a yeah. moment. And I was like, oh, yeah. you're right, watch. You're right. Yeah. And, and if you don't do it, you're failing. You're a failure. Right. Yeah, your chart yeah. like goes down and you're losing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I know. I got one of the damn aura rings. Oh, what are those? Oh, it just it's a you know it tells you your heart tell rate. Tell you when it. you get a text. 
No, it doesn't do that. <laughs> it tells me something I already knew, which is that I'm not sleeping well. <laughs> uh, those are always nice reminders, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, oh, my, my, this face and these bags don't tell me every day when I look in the mirror that, right. <laughs> that I'm that, not getting enough sleep. Exactly. I'm just rubbing it in at this point. Exactly. Oh, that tired feeling. Yeah. It is good, though, because it does remind you, like, hey, buddy, you need yeah. a little bit of rest. Yeah, slow down. Yeah. Fall- follow the fields for a minute, bro. Are you, are you a, uh, a, a light sleeper? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Join the yeah. club. Yeah. I to can't the extent sleep. that I sleep, I don't sleep either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my uh, dad always used to say, like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I think he yeah. really lived by that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just wanted to pack everything in. And I feel the same. Like, I feel like there's, I just you, want to do You're going to miss too much. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, as a fellow parent, I think, you know, your hours in the day get compressed in a right. way. Right. When you're when you're with family and stuff, you want to pay attention to that time, and it becomes notched out. So there's right. other things you put on the back burner, but then that time becomes available overnight or it's, early exactly. in the morning. So exactly. those are the quiet, peaceful times, you know, That's where you can absolutely. just do your thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, sleep, push it aside. Yeah, it'll happen. <laughs> it'll come. <laughs> and I think we were weren't we talking it when we were at that dinner? We were talking about food choices, weren't we? We probably were, yeah, because I'm a vegan. Right, I'm so a vegetarian, I'm, so we uh-huh. were. Yes, I'm. I'm vegan adjacent. Yeah, you're almost there. <laughs> almost. <laughs> I shall not give up dairy. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't no? give it up. What's the dairy? Which dairy are you eating? Cheese. Uh cheese and milk. I mean, oh, oat yeah. milk. Although yeah. oat milk is really good. Yeah. Like I could do it if I had to. Yeah, you could do it. But I, I feel like, and you know, I have vegan stuff all the time, but the mm-hmm. fake meats now are so damn good. You wouldn't even I know. know it. I no, mean, I know. it's crazy. Like the options. Yeah. I might've mentioned, I, you know, when I was in college, I lived for a little bit with a bunch of straight edge kids and they oh, were yeah. a hardcore band and they were all vegan. And mm-hmm. back then the choices were like pasta yeah, and exactly. vegetables. Like exactly. There was no, you know, impossible, whatever, like no. hot Italian sausage no. you know and there was nowhere to and there were certainly no restaurants to go to new york's gotten really good new york's it. pretty damn good there was yeah uh, you know i there was uh an advertisement for kentucky fried chicken impossible chicken oh yeah no they were all trying to get in on the game i was like man that's i never thought i would see that day i, know. <laughs> I, know. I mean maybe I know. mcdonald's had a veggie burger or something at some point but kfc no it's, like, it's pretty remarkable it's good though because you know people like us we should deserve to be unhealthy and you know yeah we, should be allowed, too. yeah, we should be allowed to go eat junk food. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, where I used to live, my studio, I lived where my studio was in Brooklyn, closer to the city in Williamsburg. Mm. And I used to live right next to a fast food vegan place. Mm. It was so good. So good. And oh, they went man. under. They did, They stopped. But they're like barbecue wings. I mean, because you mm. miss that stuff. You know what right. I mean? There's yeah, you want to eat junk food. Yeah, you don't just want lettuce. Yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the places, the newer places that are opening up are these kind of fast food, comforty food types of places. Right. So, well, yeah. that's that's the niche. That is they're the filling niche. that void. They're, you know? they're trying to they're trying to attract those folks that want that stuff. And that's exactly. great. I'm all for it. I yeah. Mean, if there's less less animal agriculture, less animals dying. I'm all for it. I know. And I think that, you know, that's going to become more and more prevalent, whether we like it, whether some people like it or not, you know. Well, it has to. It's not sustainable, literally. 
Yeah, so you were on that. That was your, was that your initial reasons for making that choice? The, what, the, to go which, vegan? The, what, uh, the sort of what animal reasons? situation? Oh, yeah, the, yeah. It began with stuff. the animals. And then, you know, over the years, you know, the recognition of what it's doing to the environment, you know, this industry, what it does to the environment. Um, yeah. It just reinforces it. And I, I don't, I don't honestly crave it. There's nothing, there's nothing I want that, I, that I'm not getting. Right. Well, I love for, food. I love to it's eat. It's been a while, have, right? You've it's been, been a while. Yeah. Well, I've been off and on vegetarian for many, many, many years. Um, yeah. Even back in, uh, in the RISD days, but uh, vegan now this run about six years or so, five, six years. You yeah. must feel good from it though, right? I do feel good. Yeah. yeah, I think it's good. Okay. Yeah, uh, my choice was I lived next to a McDonald's in undergraduate, uh-huh. my first year, and I was eating McDonald's every day. Right. Yeah. So you had to feel really good. Yeah, it was like it was coming out of my pores. I mean, I was too young to be like you know like supersize me like to be right. obese from it, but I, right. it was not good. Yeah. And then there was a grad student. I forget her name. Apologize if she ever heard this, but there was a grad student who did a performance piece. And I was young. I was just starting in the BFA program. Mm-hmm. And she was wearing this gigantic wedding dress. And, you know, she walked in and it was dark. And there were two of those old square TVs, you know, remember back in the day. Mm-hmm. And sure. they were playing slaughterhouse footage. Mm. And there were candles, I think, on the floor. And she mm. walked in and she had a wedding dress and a crown of thorns. And mm. she started pulling sausages out from her mm. under her dress and putting them on the thorns. And the <laughs> blood was running down. <laughs> that ought to do it. I was like, I think I'm going to give a... I think I'm going to take a little break from the old McDonald's. <laughs> you know, it was like the perfect storm. And yeah. that was 93, and I haven't that, had meat since. Yeah, that would do it. I, I. It's too bad we don't have footage of that, and we could just play it on a loop. <laughs> just to encourage <laughs> just others. To, just to like encourage if, others. If you make it through this art piece. Yeah, and you and still want to eat meat. Yeah, and you go to Power Peter Luger to afterwards, <laughs> then go ahead, do your thing. Power to you. you. Exactly. <laughs> no, but I feel like that feeling good is so important for the studio, you know, to have that energy. Sure. Yeah, know? for sure. And do you do like, are you health conscious otherwise, like yoga, fitness, any of that other stuff? I mean, I, I exercise. Chain smoking? Yeah, I do a lot of chain smoking. <laughs> I was doing chain smoking, but that was a long time ago. Right, right. Um, yeah, I do exercise. I go on long walks and nice. and listen to books on tape. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fit. I'm a pretty fit person. I feel like it helps because, yeah. you know, when you got to bang out a show in three months. It's true. You can't yeah, be dogging you, it. You got to be up need, for the challenge, you know. That's right. You need your body to be functional. Yeah. Plus, um, I'm standing. I make all the work standing. Do you stand to work or do you sit? Oh, I never. The only time I ever sit is if I'm working on a very specific lower part of a painting that's right. really repetitious. Like if there's right. taping that's really right. complicated or something like that. I'll, right. I'll sit for a little bit, but I can't sit long. Yeah, I gotta yeah. move around. And when yeah. you work bigger, the beauty is you're stretching. You're like using mm-hmm. your, you're moving and stuff. It's so. very physical. Yeah, my aura ring has been telling me that I put in a lot of steps while I'm working. Ah, see, it's keeping yeah. track of the qualities of being a, an artist in the it's studio. Tr- it's you true. Know? You know, and I thought of this earlier. I forgot to mention it, but it was related to our our talk before when we were talking about the studio is, or in in thinking of work and coming back to the studio, I think one of the major reasons of depression for people is like being in a job that they just not, they don't like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And there's mm-hmm. this feeling that it's the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. And I think the beauty of doing what we do is maybe for a little bit, but then we there's, it's always new. Yeah, you exactly. always turn it over. 
exactly. like being an actor. It's like there's another role. Like you can start, you know, your your brain is constantly adjusting to a new way of thinking, yeah. which I think is really healthy. And that's why I think you have artists who are like 98 and they're still painting and they don't want to retire. They're just For like, sure. I want to keep going. For sure. I can't imagine and, not doing this. It's it's my, you know, it's my lifeblood. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 there would be nothing without it. Right. And, and I'm not trying to judge, but I think if I were an accountant, I'm not making it to 98. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, not as an accountant. Age. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to keep doing something like that, but the, it would be the same thing over and over, really. I imagine. Yeah, I would imagine, too. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure you can find your way to kind of be creative as a human being within that work. But it's yeah. it must it must be very hard. Right. And it's, you know, it's it's like a metric too. like for the show that you did. There is a really, you know, it's very it's a serial process of making. Mm-hmm. They're obviously different. Right. But it, you're taking this sort of scale and image and, and doing iterations of it. But right. it's funny, those little changes become like songs of themselves, you know, what exactly. I mean? Yeah. There's, each one is a whole world unto itself. You know, they don't they don't feel repetitive. I mean, like you said, the format is the same. These are all squares. It's all a teacup floating in that black space but within that teacup there's a whole landscape there's a whole universe of color and surface and material for sure yeah but i i well i'm not gonna say i guarantee you i bet if someone commissioned you to make 50 of the same exact painting you'd probably at 48 be like come get me out of here yeah i'm pretty sure of that (laughs) (laughs) i mean we might do it if it like you know yeah let us survive but at this point i do feel like i've i've exhausted the teacups now Oh really? You're, you're. I think so. Yeah, I think so. There might be a couple other versions here or there, but I think I've exhausted them. Although I did just start, and I'm almost finished with a with a votes for women teacup, which are teacups that the suffragists made to, and sold for, to fundraise for the suffragists movement. And so I made it for a friend of mine who's who will appreciate that. That sounds birthday. pretty cool. Yeah, little one. Yeah, I I mean the, my brain too goes to. Uh, my mother-in-law's a gigantic jadeite collection and like oh yeah you know, yeah and they're so beautiful like you know the way yeah. all these colors and then you yeah. get the funky old vintage mcdonald's ones and yeah like exactly. all these birds and stuff like that you right. could spend a life doing you know what i mean like you certainly could yeah yeah I, I i didn't want to fall into this trap but yeah i could i mean you could do this for a long time but you're not going to be the teacup guy. You're going to be. I'm not going to be the teacup guy. What's the, the next thing? Do you already have some ideas? I have. No, some you don't things, have to say it. But there's know. some things floating around, but nothing. I mean, I know this doesn't feel like a big move from the teacups, but I've been getting fascinated with hurricane lamps. <laughs> but oh, also things yeah, yeah. things that have their sort of own internal light source within the space of the painting. Yeah. Um, which is kind of you know harkening back to those old Renaissance right. things. These kind of luminous qualities. Um, I mean, that's what the teacups were. They were sort of sources of light themselves because they were so reflective. Right. Um, so they kind of had that internal light source coming outward towards the viewer. So the hurricane lamp is a more direct iteration of that. But I don't necessarily, I mean, I'll probably paint one. It'll be terrible and I'll move on or maybe not. But well, you won't know till you do it, right? I won't know till I do it. Wait, the hurricane lamps are the ones that are like a vase sort of, right? And they have, wait, how, which yeah. one? Yeah, they're essentially they're ceramics or glass uh, with a little flame inside, with a wick yeah. and a flame and oil or fat. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, and they're they're absolutely beautiful. And some of them some of them are very rare and can be extremely expensive, but they're just stunning. And a lot of them are hand painted. Yeah. Um, like the teacups. So it was, you know, again, it's another way to make painting about painting. Um, 
or painting of painting. Yeah, and just a little nostalgia there. I mean, it reminds me of, for some reason, it made me think of this friend I had who lived a couple of blocks from me, and he had this lamp. I think it was a lamp. You might know what these are, but it was some sort of like little sculpture, and there were strings, and an oil would like come down all the strings, and it would like loop. Hmm. Like it was like a little fountain oil. Huh. I think they were called oil lamps. Well, yeah, there are oil lamps. That's not, I, I'm not familiar with what that. It, maybe that was some design feature. I don't know what that was. Yeah, it was weird. It was. Yeah. I remember going over to his place, and I would just always just sit there and look at it. Like that is really strange. I don't even know he, what it was. Yeah, I mean, these oil lamps are thousands of years old. This is how people have been lighting their interior spaces for thousands of years. That's true. Yeah, and we might need them soon. One day. No, I'm just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's LEDs. Exactly. It's LEDs from here on out. <laughs> That's right. Low voltage. <laughs> All right. So a couple more things. One yeah. is, what are, are there current things you're listening to now, music-wise, that are really well? Like any, it, it, you, are you living? Oh, in the, I'm still living in the 1970s in ambient realm. Yeah, gotcha. for sure. Yeah. You locked in. I'm locked in. It's just great. You know, if, yeah. if there's something new out there, that if you have any recommendations, I'll take them. But I've yet to find anything that just, you know. Yeah, I will be able to help myself when you bring up the word ambient. I'll send you some stuff, and you can cast it aside or whatever. But okay, yeah. But the, I, yeah, I, I hear you though. There's there's enough there. And what about film? Yeah. Are you a film guy? Do you like? Uh, not not. I don't watch a lot of film, which is strange since my wife is an actress. Um, she watches a lot of film, and she'll yeah. she'll she'll dig things out for me to look at. We just watched. Um, Oh my goodness! Why am I blank? Chow Manhattan, the Sedgwick thing. Oh right. Um, that was that. Did was you like a, it? It was really interesting. It's such a tragic thing to look at. Yeah. Um, you're just watching this person sort of destroy themselves. Um, but it was really interesting to look at. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes as painters we do that sometimes where you use film as kind of like you're looking for the still or you're looking for something that resonates. Mm-hmm. with an aesthetic or you know something that connects to the way we're thinking about images which is tough when it comes mm-hmm. to film you know mm-hmm. it's like a niche thing you know yeah i was always interested in like french new wave like tati yeah. and you know and and i don't really watch a lot of like godard and stuff like that but there's mm-hmm. an aesthetic there that i always thought mm-hmm. was really cool oh for sure yeah but i don't sit there and watch those movies all the time they're somewhat tedious you know they're, yeah they can be really tedious they can they can be tough you know yeah and then I just don't really watch much. Yeah, I don't you know? watch much either. I don't have time to watch much. It's it is hard. We use our eyes. You know what I mean. <laughs> we do exactly. You know, like I don't read yeah. as much as I as I want to because right. I'm either with the family doing stuff around the right. house or I'm at the studio and I'm not right. reading in the studio. Right. Audio books are tough. It's hard to dig in. You know. Good. Yeah, the walking. The, I go on long walks sometimes as long as two hours, and I'll I'll listen to books that way, and that is great because. The walking is so mindless and repetitive that I can just be in the book. Right. Although I will say I'm I'm reading The Odyssey right now because my 14 year old was assigned it, and you know I'm sure I read it in high school, but um, but it's really great. And he's oh, and my yeah, son yeah. is he's so into fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. So the Greek mythology is just fantastic. So we're we're having a blast reading that one. Has uh has he seen that Jason and Argonauts movie? Remember no. that one? No, that old movie is that what it was called? Jason and Argonauts. Oh, I'm but there was that robotic Alan. Oh man, that there's certain movies when you're a kid, you know, that just burn into your like the images, right? Burn, like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. For me, oh yeah, like for ET. sure. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is tattooed in my head, you know. Yeah, for sure. And well, that's Star- about being an artist. Really, 
Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. so cool too to see my son like he's really into all the Star Wars stuff, you know, because right. it's like endless right. and right. and you know, it can, in a way it connects. Although I'm the annoying like dad who's like, "Oh, well, you know, the trilogy was, you know, I love the one." The, yeah. Yeah, and I love <laughs> yeah. the old way they did like, you know, Job of the Hunt yeah. and all that stuff, but Sure. But it's really cool to connect in that way because that yeah. they're doing a pretty good job of keeping those storylines going. They really are. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I do, you know, watch a little bit. Yeah. A little bit of film and stuff. Yeah. So do you have anything else coming up that you're working on? Or you right now you're in the reset mode. I mean, right now the show's the reset, up now at Miles, and it's up for a month, right? Yeah, it's up until the 12th of March. Yes. 21st Street. Five, 21st Street. Five, 520 West 21st Street. Exactly. 520. Yep. Yeah, 520 West 21st. And it seems like people can travel and go around now. You know? It certainly We're, seems that way. Again, maybe even word? hold on. Maybe even yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some of them are I mean, taking their masks off, and that's exciting. It is, you know. Yeah. It seems like it's, hopefully it's getting to the point to where, you know, we're adapting. Yeah, know, we're come, learning, learning you know, to live with. No matter us. how hard it was to get to that point, but yeah, you know, I think everyone needs a collective like two things: a collective sigh of relief in a way, not mm-hmm. that it's going away or whatever, but also, a, man, I miss traveling. Yeah, I really and, do. And seeing, I mean, honestly, I miss seeing people's faces. That's I know that true. sounds that sounds so you know romantic, but I'm sort of hopelessly romantic. I just where were we recently? Oh, we had well, we had dinner with a bunch of friends, and seeing everyone's face and smiling, I I miss that. I, yeah, you know, as visual people, we really you know, I need those cues. I need smiling eyes and smiling mouths to to right. know that I'm safe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And the weird thing is, was whenever people first started using zoom or things like that, they'd be like, Oh, it's so weird. It's not in the same room or whatever. We've gotten so used to it. And it's where you do get to see everyone's face. In <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's ironically. True. And then you yeah. go out and have like a meeting where you're like standing away from each other. Exactly. With, like, masks or outside freezing right. your ass off. Eating do we dinner shake and, like, hands this? or bump <laughs> elbows or knock <laughs> heads? <laughs> right. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we'll get the balance back. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get all those faces back. For sure. Um, yeah. So everyone should go check out your show. And then you, you know, the best way for them to keep up with you is social media, your website, and, yeah. you know, your other yep. galleries where you show. That's right? right. Yeah, I show with Anat Ebge in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And my uh, Instagram is Robert Russell Works. And uh, that's a great way to keep up with what I'm doing. There you go. Yeah. Um, man, it was great to talk. It was so and, great uh, to talk the to show you. Lo- the show looked great. Thank I mean, you so I wish much. I could have been there for an open like you know but uh, it's great to be able to go out and see it and i've it was when i was there it was nice because a lot of people walking around and it feels like you know people are going and seeing stuff it feels like we're re-emerging yeah that's great for sure thanks man it was great thank you so much brian this was really a lot of fun Sound of Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast by going to soundofvisionpodcast.com or on Instagram at soundofvisionpodcast. You can find out more about my work at brianalfred.net or Alfred Studio on Instagram. Many thanks to Robert for taking the time out to talk. Many thanks to Michael Lovett for the intro, Fulcrum Coffee, and Golden Artist Colors for their sponsorship. Go to iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a rating review. If you can, it really helps and spread the word. Many more good episodes coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks as always to you listeners.